you, Mark. Thank you, Grace. And I uh, don't say it often enough. Thank you to the uh, the guys back there in the sound booth that uh, do so much that we don't. You know, that's one of those things that happens. You don't really pay attention to unless there's a problem. And mostly when the problem happens, it's because I get a little excited and swat the microphone. <laughs> but uh, Keith and Carl back there do a great job, and we appreciate them uh, immensely. Uh, we are, as I said, we're resuming our time back in the Gospel of John, and it's been a while. Uh, today, our text will be John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Uh, but, I, but I want to go back a little bit and remember the context. You know, we, we, we like to preach through the Bible verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph. But, you know, sometimes when you do that, uh, you forget where you are. You know, that's the old thing of uh, not seeing the, uh, the forest for the trees. You know, you can so focus in on, on the tree in front of you, you forget about the forest around you. Now, in ancient history, we would talk about maybe getting the, uh, you know, the 30,000-foot view of things. You know, you get up in an airplane. So now I think we'd have to say you, we sometimes need a drone's eye view. We're, we're here in the forest. We're looking at this tree. Now let's go send up a drone and just remember where we are. We've, we've seen Jesus come in, a, in, well, John begins way back before eternity, or in eternity past. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then we saw him coming into his ministry. Uh, one of the things we see a lot of in John is an emphasis on the various Jewish festivals. We saw Jesus coming uh, at different times to the Passover festival and then to um, booths and the festival of lights. Well, here we see Jesus in Jerusalem at a festival time. I remember he, do you remember this? He, he healed the man who was blind, uh, and, and, and he did it on a Sabbath day, and that caused quite a bit of controversy. Um, because of, of that healing, and already Jesus, already the decision had been made in the, among the leadership uh, that Jesus was not to be a, a followed, and anyone who did follow Jesus was to be excommunicated from the synagogue. And that was bad because not only did you break, you know, you, you couldn't go to the synagogue and the benefits of that, you might lose your family over that. You might lose your business over that. So you would lose your social, your spiritual, your economic um, support. And so it was a fearful thing. When this man was born, who was born blind, remember how his, his parents brought him in? Or they brought his parents in and said, is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. Can he see now? Yes. How did that happen? And they quickly start acting like politicians. We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. And, and, and John tells us they said that because they knew it had already been decided. If you profess Jesus, you're excommunicated. And so, son, we're so glad you can see, but we're not going to risk that, uh, being excommunicated by saying how it happened. So, so that was going on, and, and having said that, uh, they, you know, remember he, he, he even said to them, you know, this is really amazing. We know God doesn't hear sinners. Nowhere in history has anyone been born blind that's been healed, but you can't explain that to me? And with that, they said, who are you to teach us? And they excommunicated him. Well, again, to get something in context, I now want to read uh, John chapter 9, starting at verse 35. Uh, a little bit and uh, take it to the end of the chapter to start with. So I'm going to read John chapter 9, verse 35. 
Jesus heard they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. I love that. Remember, he was blind. The seeing was nothing taken for granted. He, said, he basically says to him, You're looking at him, and you can see him. Well, I won't, I'll give him another sermon. Anyway, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see, who see may be blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. So we see Jesus dealing with him, but then we, we, we find out, Oh, wait a minute. Even though he's been expelled the Pharisees, some of the one, one group of the religious leaders, the, the, those were like the rabbis that dominated in, in the synagogues. They've been following, and they hear this whole thing and said, "Are you saying we're blind?" And Jesus saying, "Well, you say you can see, therefore you're accountable." Um, and so that's what what, what Jesus, um, how he answers them again, verse four to one. If you were blind, you would have no sin, but now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. Because you claim you know the truth, you teach what you claim to be the truth, but it's a lie. And therefore, your sin remains. That leads into verse chapter 10. And so let me read now verses 1 to 6. Most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Let me pause there. So Jesus is now going to tell a, a, a parable, if you will, a story, an illustration. But this is in the context of the Pharisees who reject the truth. He's talking to them and about them. Okay, So he says, uh, Most assuredly I say to you, again verse 1, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. But when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of, a, of strangers. So he uses the, the uh, every, sheep were everywhere in Israel. And so he uses something they knew, everybody knew something about. And so... That he tells that story about the shepherd and, and who the sheep will follow. Verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things that he spoke to them. So they, they first say, are you talking about us when he talked about the blindness? He launches straight into them and saying, there, there are true shepherds and there are the thieves and robbers. And guess which one the Pharisees are. So he tells that illustration, but it says they still didn't get it. Again, as one who teaches the word, it encourages me that they didn't understand Jesus all the time. Of course, those were the Pharisees and pagans, and so I hope that doesn't apply to you. Well, let's go on to our text then. We kind of laid a context, and you'll see how it fits. Then Jesus said to them, verse 7 to 10, Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus, remember verse 6 said, they still don't understand. And so Jesus comes at it from a different angle. He continues talking really, especially in mind, to the Pharisees, these uh, followers of the rabbis. Um, that, and, and, saying, and, and, he's, and they're not understanding what he's saying. But he's trying to address them, and he's using these illustrations to try and make his point. So we see then in verse 7, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, he had just used, he talked about the sheepfold. And remember, we said back in, the, in Israel, a sheepfold was a, a place where you, you put the sheep, especially at night, to keep them safe. And often out, especially out on the pasture, that would be like a, you build up a, uh, uh, take the stones that were all over the place and you'd build up a, a fence uh, where, a, a wall, and then you could put the sheep in there at night and then um, you'd have a, a door there where someone would, would kind of protect there and, and someone would watch the sheep all night. Uh, one, because people might try to steal them. Uh, and two, because uh, an animal, a predator might try and steal them. And so he talked that story, but then he talked about when the shepherd comes in the morning to get his sheep, so it was a communal sheepfold, each shepherd would come and call out his sheep, and the sheep of that shepherd would, would only follow that shepherd's voice. Um, and so he used the illustration, my sheep hear my voice and they're following me. They're not following you Pharisees. And the Pharisees are looking, they're still not getting it. So now he's telling another story. Now he's not the sheep shepherd, he's the door. Now, if he were writing a paper in an English class today, the teacher would say, wait a minute, you just shifted metaphors. That's unacceptable. My answer would be, if Jesus does it, it's okay. <laughs> so, but, so he's, and partly he's trying to say, okay, the shepherd thing's not working for you. Let me put it this way. I'm the door. I am the door. But, and I want to just point out in verse 7 when it's in my translation says then Jesus said to them verse 6 says they still didn't understand verse 7 begins then Jesus said but literally that word then is therefore Jesus said since they didn't understand he said let's try it another way therefore Jesus said to them most assuredly and in some translations you'll have verily verily in the Greek it's amen amen so he's, he's here speaking very emphatically. Truly, truly, I'm saying to you, I am the door of the sheep. So what's he getting at? Uh, the door is the test of the true shepherds. You remember that when the, when the shepherd came for the flock, the only ones that, you know, you, the true shepherd came through the door. The, the non-true shepherds tried to sneak over the wall and steal the sheep. The true shepherds could come to the door and be entered. Uh, if I can compare it to maybe you're going to, a, you're going to see a game, 
football game or something like that. And, uh, you know, so it's a, let's, let's make it maybe it's a high school thing, and so it's just some fences. Most of the people that come to the game are going to come through the gate, show their ticket. Okay, you are supposed to be here. So if someone, there's this long line, people are showing their tickets, buying their tickets and entering. But then you notice across the field a handful of guys climbing and jumping over the fence. What's your first thought? Not that they're referees. It's not the coaches. These guys are stealers. They're, they're not, they don't want to pay for the ticket. And so they're cheating. They're not legitimate. And so that's what he was using. I am the legitimate shepherd. Those who are jumping over the wall are not. They don't have a, they don't have a right to access to the sheep. So now Jesus is saying, okay, I'm not the, listen to say, I'm not, the, I'm, the, I'm not the shepherd. He'll come back to that. He says, I'm the door. I am the door. The, the, how do you, what is that, why, where does that fit? The true shepherds, the legitimate shepherds, come through the door. So, so Jesus is adding something very important to his illustration he talked about the fact there's illegitimate and legitimate shepherds. And he said the key is, how do they get to the flock? The bad guys try to jump the wall. The good guys come through the door. And now Jesus says, and I am the door. The test of a legitimate shepherd of God's people is they come through Jesus Christ in his name. Now, think about sheepfolds. There was always only one door. Because you just needed, you know, it wasn't meant to be a marketplace or something. They would come in. You could keep them secure. You only needed one door. Kind of like the tabernacle, the temple. There was only one door into the presence of God. Here, the sheepfolds always had only one door. But Jesus says he is the door. Um. I want to just read you a little section from an older commentator by the name of G. Campbell Morgan. He was a British uh, teacher of the scriptures. And here's what he said in, in his commentary. He said, It was once my privilege to cross the Atlantic with Sir George Adam Smith. That was a Scottish uh, theologian. Now, I have to tell you, in, in, in ancient world times, people traveled by boat. You know, if you wanted to cross the Atlantic, it was going to take you a while. You didn't get on a plane and fly. Of course, nowadays, if you get on a plane, it's going to take you a while because they're going to cancel your flights. But that's another sermon. He said, it was once my privilege to cross the Atlantic with Sir George Adam Smith from Scotland. I shall never forget the fascination of that voyage as he talked of those eastern lands he knows so well. He spent a lot of time uh, in Israel and Syria, Jordan, and just, just traveling the land and getting to know it. And so here's this Bible teacher just loving talking to someone who knows the land so well and hearing all about it. One story he told me was this. He was one day traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and a sheep. He fell into conversation with him. The man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with a way in. Sir George said to him, That's where they go at night? Yes, said the shepherd. And when they are there, they are perfectly safe. He said, But there is no door. I am the door, said the shepherd. 
Now, he was not a Christian man. He was not speaking in the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and said, What do you mean by the door? Said the shepherd, When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in that open space, and no sheep ever goes out but across my body, and no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. Now, so again, this is, this is just... So this is someone from the area 2,000 years later. But he's not a Christian. He's not quoting the New Testament. He's speaking like a shepherd from the area where Jesus was. I'm the door. You know, we don't need a wooden gate. I am the door who determines who gets in and who gets out. And so Jesus says, I am the door to the sheepfold of God's people. If you're coming to them legitimately, you come through me. Then he goes on in verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now, who's he talking about? All those who came before him. Now, he's not saying everyone who ever came to Israel and spoke of God. He's not, you know, he's not talking about Isaiah and Jeremiah. He's not talking about John the Baptist. But when Jesus arrives on the scene in Israel, the religious world is dominated by these unbelievers. The Sadducees dominated in the temple. And the Sadducees, remember, they, I call them the deists of the ancient world. They believed in a God. They believed in the, the first five books of the Bible. But they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in the eternal soul. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in resurrection. And those were the priests of the temple. The Pharisees, and at this time there may be 6,000 in the lands, they were a very elite group. They were the ones who controlled the synagogues. They believed the scriptures, but they also believed in the oral traditions of the rabbis. They believed that the, the teachings, the traditions of the rabbis were of equal authority to the Bible. Actually, they said they both came from Sinai. Like after, after Moses wrote the the scriptures, then God basically said to him, now sit down, let me give you some more information, but don't write this down. And he passed that down to the rabbis. That's their theory. But in other words, the, the rabbi teachings are of equal authority to the Bible. And that's what's going to break between Jesus and the Pharisees. Because he says to them, the Bible is God's truth. We agree on that. I don't for a minute believe you rabbis teach equal authority. He did not. And so they'll come to him and say, why don't your disciples wash hands the way the rabbis say we should? He's not saying it's wrong to wash your hands. He's just saying that's not God's law. Okay? And so, so and here's my point. When Jesus arrives on the scene, who's running the show religiously? It's the Pharisees and the Sadducees who no longer believe in God's word and the God of the Bible. It's become this great religious institution, or two, the temple and the synagogue. And the true faith of the scriptures is hard to find. And so he says, all who came before me, he's speaking about, you know, the, the rabbis, he's speaking about, now are there some rabbis that are believers? Yes, but but here's the, the, the dominant scene is no one believes. None of them are true followers of the Lord God. 
Instead, he says they're thieves and robbers. What's a thief? That's pretty simple. And by the way, the word for thief is uh, they're, they're klepti. Have you heard of a kleptomaniac? That's someone who, who has sticky fingers. They just like to steal. And that, so that, that's from the Greek word that's here for thieves. They're, they're people who take what isn't theirs. These, these rabbis and these priests were, were taking things that weren't there. They were all getting rich on the, the religious systems. But they were taking God's authority. They were taking God's glory. They were taking uh, the loyalty of God's people and claiming it as their own. It, but it wasn't theirs. They were thieves. Um, they're also called robbers. And that word robber, you know, what's the difference between a burglar and a robber? A bur- burglar breaks in and steals. A robber you know, does it with violence. He holds up a gun or a bomb. Or, and so he says... They, they're, they're thieves and they're robbers. They come even through violence. They kill and destroy. That's a pretty strong condemnation of the religious environment of the day. He says they're all a bunch of thieves and robbers. What's he saying here? Well, the first thing he's making clear, the only true teachers... The only true religious leaders are those who are faithful to Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that you can trust to guide you. But we know where they are religiously. They had already agreed to the fact that if anyone says they're a follower of Jesus, they're to be kicked out of the synagogue. They're they're rejected as as an apostate, as a false teacher, as an unbeliever, when in fact they were the true believers. That shows you where things were in the days of Jesus. The, the majority religion was rejecting God. And yet they were the ones in control. And so Jesus is saying, here's your test. What do they think of Jesus Christ? By the way, that's the best, that is the test today. When, when I'm uh, talking to someone that says they're a Christian or they're, they, they know God or they're a, a, a pastor or whatever it might be, First question I like to ask is, so what do you think about Jesus? And you can have, whether that, again, whether that be on the campus or talking to your barber or whatever it might be, and they say, I go to church. What does your church teach about Jesus? And if they tell me, well, his pronouns were, we're in trouble. <laughs> but, but here's the point. What do you think of Jesus? Is he God in the flesh? Was he just a, a good moral teacher? Is he the, 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 the Jesus of uh, the Unification Church, Reverend Sun Myung Moon? He was a God who sent him as Messiah, but he failed, so God had to send Sun Myung Moon to finish the job. Is he, is he the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses? He's, he's one of God's highest creatures, but he's not God. Is he the, the, the Jesus of the Mormons? And go on and on. Who is Jesus? And so Jesus says, I'm the door. If they don't come to you through me, the true me, they're thieves and robbers spiritually. Again, that, <clears throat> so, so he's warning the people there and saying, be careful of these teachers that come. The issue is, how do they respond to Jesus? And frankly, you have a hard time finding someone in the religious leadership world 
that did. And, and there were a couple of Sikrans. Remember Nicodemus and others? There were a couple of the Sanhedrin that they believed in Jesus, but they didn't want to go public. Let me, if I can, take a moment to say something about the rabbis in general then. It, it, I've mentioned this sometimes, and it, it's, it continues to be something I continue to hear, and I'm a little surprised. Uh, I will hear Christians that say, um, if you really want to understand, especially the Old Testament, you need to listen to the rabbis. Just recently, uh, we were watching a, um, someone talking about their, they put out a new book, and it's just wonderful, all the things this person learned about the Bible. And, and she said, the key is, you've got to go to the rabbis. You've got to read the rabbis. The problem is, Jesus said, they're a bunch of thieves and robbers. Why would we go to people who reject Jesus to understand Jesus' scriptures? Remember, Jesus said to them, if you believed Moses, you would believe in me. So what's he saying? The rabbis didn't believe in Moses. They didn't really believe the Bible. And yet you'll get some today, and you'll see, they hear it in various roots. They call it maybe the Hebraic roots or whatever it might be. And they will say, the only way to truly understand the scriptures is to go back to the rabbis who rejected Jesus to understand the scriptures. What is Jesus saying here? They're robbers and thieves. They're, the, they, they're, they're wall jumpers. They are not legitimate teachers of the scriptures. And so, uh, now, I will sometimes look at the rabbis, especially when I'm working on the Seder and all that, because I can understand from that, what I, I, we see what the religious issues were in the days of Jesus. But to understand the scriptures, warning, warning, Jesus says they don't know the truth. They don't believe the truth. And these are not legitimate teachers of the word because they're not coming through Jesus. Now, probably for most of you, you're thinking, why is he telling us this? If you go on YouTube, you'll find this all the time. That's my problem. You, you, you find this all over the internet. And I just give you a warning. What did Jesus think about the rabbinics? He said, they're false teachers. They're not true shepherds of God's people. And he said, beware. They're thieves and robbers. As a matter of fact, he, he talks to them directly in Matthew 23, 15. And Jesus said this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Those were the rabbinic teachers, the Pharisees. Hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, one convert, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. You are aggressively seeking followers, but what you're doing is you're getting those who will follow you to hell because you are rejecting the God of the Bible. Okay. I'll, let me turn down the, the, the blasters here. <laughs> that's, I just, I, I, that's a warning you need to hear. And, and, and I know that because Jesus gave the warning, right? Well, he goes on. And notice one of the things he says. The Lord makes the point. The sheep do not hear them. That's what he said back in, in our verse here. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep, God's sheep, the believers, the elect, they will not hear. They will not listen. They will not follow. That's a test of true belief. That's a, that's a test of election is they don't follow 
the false teachers. They will by no means follow a stranger, he says in verse 5, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I think it was in World War II, somewhere in the Mediterranean area, some Nazis uh, came across a flock of sheep and stole them. The shepherds saw them going across this ravine up the other hill, and he think, what do I do? I'm like, I can't fight the Nazis. What am I going to do? And then he remembered he was a shepherd. <laughs> and maybe he didn't remember John chapter 10, but the concept was there. Wait a minute. They'll listen to my voice and not the Nazis. And so he started using the call that he always used for them. And to the, to the Nazis' great disappointment, the sheep turned around and started running across the ravine back to their shepherd. They won't follow the voice of the enemy. They recognize the voice of the shepherd. And Jesus said, and what Jesus is here saying and telling us, by the way, to the, these Pharisees, these rabbis, do you notice that, that there are people out there that just don't believe you, that don't follow you? That's evidence that they're followers of the true God. The true believers in God did not follow the rabbis. Well, he goes on in verses 9 and 10 then. Point 3 in the outline that's there in your bulletin. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life, life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus says again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so here he's kind of using the illustration is it's through me and me alone. There's only one door. But if to, to find salvation is to come through Jesus Christ alone. John 14, 6 is one of the, you know, even a stronger statement of the same truth. I am that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so Jesus is saying something that often, actually, to the unbeliever, is considered uh, offensive. Because he is saying, it's exclusive. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. There's only one door to the sheepfold, and that's Jesus. Again, we live in an age where people say there is no absolute truth. There is no right and wrong. You know, you'll hear the expression, that's your truth. This is my truth. Um, that's such a, 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 an irresponsible way of thinking. It's an irrational way of thinking. It's either, tr it's either true or it's false. And, and so what Jesus is saying is there's only one way to God. And right by that, he is excluding every other religion. And, and, that may, that, and, and he's not saying that to be harsh and unloving. He's, that's the most loving thing he can say. Imagine you're in a burning building. People are in a panic. You know the building well, and, and tragically, there's only one fire escape, but you know where it is. And you say, this is the way out. Follow me. What if everybody starts saying, well, well my truth is there's an exit over there. What happens if they follow their truth? They perish. And so Jesus is saying, 
I am the only way. There's only one door, and I am the door. But, he's saying, those who enter through that door are saved. Sometimes people are uncomfortable when Christians talk about someone got saved. Well, I like the fact that Jesus uses the word, so it has to be okay. Just like the born-again expression, we try to think that was something that came up in the 1970s. Well, it's a couple thousand years older than that. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And here he's saying, if you want salvation, what is that? And, and what does salvation assume? You're lost. You need help. You need to be rescued. And Jesus says, there's only one way to rescue. There's only one entrance into glory. That's through Jesus Christ. I am the door. So he says, if anyone comes by me, he'll be saved. That's what the benefit of the door. But then he goes on to say, and he will go in and out and find pasture. So here he's talking not so much about the sheep. Uh, the, now he's talking about the sheep, not the shepherds. The, shepherd, the sheep who go in will be safe. They'll be in God's care. They'll be in God's family. They'll be saved. And then he says, and they can go in and out uh, of the flock. So you know, when it's not nighttime, they might go into the flock just because they've got, a, they've got this one little place of grass that they've got just right, and they go lie in there. But when it's time to eat, they go out. And so they can go in for security. They can go out for, um, for nutrition and food and, and water. And, and right there, there's a picture of the blessed life. They are safe and they are cared for. They can go in and out. And so that right there is a, it's not the bondage of the Pharisees. You, you know, they, they kind of tied people up into, 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 legalistic bonds he's saying this this is the in and out of salvation it's there's security and there's blessing and there's abundance he'll say later um if you know new york city and especially the christian world there there's a there's a building there's a building there called the hefzibah house it, it was it's a place of um hospitality for christians it was a setup for like missionaries and and those on in doing work for the lord if they needed a place to stay, uh, affordable and, and a nice Christian environment, they could go to the Hepzibah House. Uh, it was um, for a long time the leader of that was a lady named Mrs. Field, and often she would ask people, just kind of a conversation, she would ask people, "Are you an out and out Christian? You know, are you, you know, is, are you genuinely committed? Are you an out and out Christian?" One day, her friend, Dr. Schofield, you, you may have heard of the Schofield Bible and the Schofield Memorial Church. Um, he, he said to her, Mrs. Field, you never ask me if I'm an out-and-out Christian. Well, I ask you now, are you? He answered, no. Which, of course, floored her. What? <laughs> Here he is uh, preaching the gospel and all. And he said, uh, before she could recover and kind of get after him, he said, I'm an in-and-out Christian. The Lord's sheep go in and out and find pasture. <laughs> so he, he was talking about John chapter 10, and he wanted to spring that on her. So what he's saying is there's salvation and security only in Christ, but then in Christ there's the in and out. There's the fullness of experience. God's sheep find life and blessing. Verse 10, by way of contrast, here's the door that gives blessing and life and and all the abundance. Uh, The thief, verse 10, does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. 
Again, he speaks of the religious leaders as stealing, killing, destroying. That's, the, that's what Jesus thinks about those who teach a, a, a false religion, about those who teach anything but come to, Christ, to God through Jesus Christ. He calls them thieves and robbers who come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's strong language, isn't it? And, and, it's, and it's easy, it would be easy to take that and be offended by that. But sometimes the truth is offensive. Imagine you're driving down the road and, and all of a sudden a police officer pulls you over. You know, a lot of times they'll ask you, do you know why I pulled you over? I, this is what I've heard. It's never happened to me. Um, but, <laughs> and, uh, well, I should probably tell the truth. But anyway, so they pull, you know, and, they might, so, and you might think, well, I was perfectly obeying the speed. I'm using my, my indicator. And the police officer may, look, look, let me just make it, let's save some time. This is a highway. The right lanes are for going that way. The left lanes are going this way. You're on the wrong side of the highway. You're driving against the traffic. You're going to get someone killed. Now, is that being offensive? What you're doing is wrong. No, he's trying to save your life and the lives of others. And you could argue all day long, well, my truth is, and he was saying, are you going to get over there or do I call a tow truck? <laughs> you know, we're not, we're, there's no discussion on this. There's right and wrong and lives depend on it. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's not simply a matter of let's be polite Let's be respectful. There is a right and wrong, and Jesus is saying, and there is an eternity that's determined by, wit, by going through the right door, by coming through Jesus Christ. And so, remember, what's the context? The Pharisees have been challenging him. They're not understanding. And what Jesus is making it stronger and stronger, clearer and clearer, you don't understand because you won't understand. You're not willing to understand. Because you have already said you will not come through the door, which is the only way. Yours is the way of destruction. You don't come to bless God's people. You come to steal them away from God. And that does. It breaks my heart sometimes when I see you know, these false teachers going down the street with a, with a false gospel and leading people away from Jesus Christ. It is sorrowful. It is tragic. It's not like, oh, what nice people. They may be nice people, but it's a false message. They're, they're, bringing, they're stealing away from God. They're destroying. They're killing. And so Jesus is using very strong language and saying there's only one door, and that is Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if I said there's only one way to God and that's me? There would be one, two responses I would hope you would make. One, you'd start praying for me. But then the other is, get up and leave. But Jesus can say it because he's God in the flesh. It's not pride, it's truth. It's saving truth, it's essential truth. So as we kind of bring this passage to a close, let's be clear here. Jesus is the only door. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. It's not through your own effort. It's not being faithful and praying. If it's not, 
to God through Jesus Christ. It's not your works. It's the gift of, of grace. It's forgiveness and life through Jesus Christ alone. But to all who come through him, there's salvation. So I have to ask you the question, have you personally trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because you, know, you might even come to the place of saying, yep, that's the only door out of here. Well, will you go through it? Have, in, so in other words, it's... it's it's not enough to be aware of the door, even to agree that that's the door. Have you personally gone through that door? Have you personally trusted in Jesus Christ? Come to him for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. And I'll just say it again. False teachers offer a false hope. I'm not saying this out of hatred for anyone. I say it because of a heartbreaking tragedy. They steal hearts. They destroy lives. Don't follow them. Don't support them. Don't be deceived by them. And finally, Jesus came to give us life, eternal life. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. He, he meant spiritually. Your body may fail, but your, your, your soul won't. And he came to give abundant life. Too often people, you know, they're afraid, if I trust Christ, then, then I won't, I'll never have fun again. And Jesus is saying, the best life there is, is to know him. It's a life of abundance. It's a life of security. It's a, it's, it's a life of rich pastures. You can, it, uh, are you an in-and-out Christian? Boy, we should all finish this and go running over to In-N-Out Burger and celebrate uh, <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> by the way, did you know that that, country, that company was founded by Christians? On the bottom of every cup, there's a scripture reference. Let me warn you, f drink, finish the cup before you look. And that has nothing to do with today's sermon. Forgive me. <laughs> but are you an in and out Christian? Are you, do, you, do you savor and rejoice? And are you eternally grateful for that fact that in Christ you have salvation and all that comes with it? The Christian life is not a tragedy. It's not a loss. It's a gain. You lose your, you, you lose your sin. You lose your guilt. You lose your punishment and you gain all that there is in Christ. Rejoice in it and share that truth. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the door. For Father, had he not come for us, we would never come to you. But it's only by your grace that we have salvation, that we have life, we have forgiveness. Father, I pray for each one who hears these words that they would know Jesus Christ as Savior and follow him. Give us a heart of discernment, I pray, Father, and may we be found faithful to him and to him alone. For we pray it in Jesus' name.